Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Mark. I'm Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry. And I'm Lena. We want to talk about church membership. Why do we want to talk about church membership? Well, because it's biblical. Hang and on. we may be qualified to talk about it. <laughs> we're talk about it either way. Yeah, we're I mean, there's some about, things we're ing- ignorant to. Yeah, yeah. We, apparently some people think we're ignorant on certain topics, and that's okay. We're not, but then... This is not one of them. If you are ignorant, would you know you're ignorant? Yeah. No. Well, that's a good question. That should be a whole podcast all by itself. If you were ignorant, would you know, know you're, that ignorant? you're ignorant? Of course not. That's the, that's well, the definition I know, of ignorance. I know that I'm ignorant of how to fix a car. Oh, I guess, yeah. Uh, that's true. Yeah. Well, maybe diluted. I mean, if you're... Like, if I believe I could fix a car and you're like, you're just deluded. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyhow, no. Yes, we, we talked a lot. In fact, we actually had a um, uh, big controversy hit our church. This is in, in many, many years ago, but it actually cost us people who were coming to church, enjoying the church, investing in the church, and then... Um, there just began this big push against membership. And so um, some some individuals were uh, teaching uh, in their own private uh, studies uh, co- co- against, act, literally act, actively teaching against uh, teaching from the pulpit about uh, joining the church and why and, and the value of it. And so uh, the end result was we actually ended up in church discipline with one individual who was making accusations like we were lording over people by telling them that they couldn't do certain things in the church unless they were members. In this situation was somebody wanted to run a ministry, uh, a very important ministry, and we thought they would be good at it, but they hadn't joined the church. And we just said, you know, the only problem is you're you're not allowed to run any ministry at our church unless you're actually a part formally of it. Yeah. And there's like, well, we don't believe in membership. And it's like, well, that's fine. You can keep coming, but you can't then run this ministry. Well, they wanted to run the ministry and we wouldn't let them. So that then led to your lording it over us and they began to create all kinds of dissension and ultimately church discipline. It was a lot of fun. But I also did a, a major series on the church and church membership. And during that time, we lost several people who felt that we were in some ways in sin because we had a form of church membership, a very simple one, but we required church membership if you wanted to be involved in certain things. So that's kind of where... Mm this whole thing kind of arose out of and, so and really changed. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a real... Uh, there's a guy named uh, Terry Virgo. I was trying to desperately look him up. Uh, his He wrote a book, Rethinking the Wineskin. And he was a real popular writer with that group. And so this book was circulating through a church. So I had to sit down and read it. And I it was it's an infuriating uh, read. It was just terrible. But... Did I say Terry Virgo? Mm-hmm. Frank Viola. 
My apologies to Terry Virgil. <laughs> Frank Viola. And, so and this guy's name keeps popping up here and there. Um, you're you're going to run into him at some point. And they're re he's really popular in those small home group churches oh, and sure. stuff like that where, uh, because he's against yeah. almost every form of formal church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so th they think he's really deep, but he's not. But it, it was just some terrible stuff. So, you know, that's in the past, but we also still deal with this to this day, right? Yeah. I mean, part of this, I mean, this is also coming out of um, just an awareness that in America, at least, there's a very casual attitude toward the local church and commitment to the local church, um, or as the Bible would call it, and we don't like this word, but submission to the local church. I like that word. I speak of, yeah, this is the royal we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm speaking for the masses right here. here. Oh, you're talking for the masses? I know, well, you're, the masses the, I know you're, you're, the, you're the holy exception. Okay. But, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> oh my but, God. It, it's real though. I mean, we, we still have people who will wander into our church just one day they're there. And, mm -hmm. that, and invariably, they always want to take my time. You know, walk down at the end mm -hmm. of the sermon. Hey, what's up? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> go away. <laughs> go, go, go back to your church and stay there. Yeah. But yeah. they just kind of wander around church after church. And it's like, mm -hmm. you, are, you are not under submission of anybody. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what it is. And mm -hmm. so we're just two men who are two pastors and we think it's worth our time to explain why everyone who is professing to be a Christian ought to join a local church in the fullest sense possible. Now, obviously, there'll be an exception. Somebody's in prison or something like that. But yeah. um, we're not talking about those exceptions because they're, yeah. they're exceptions. Right. Yeah. Um, and we would say it is, it is it go as far as to say, I cannot talk tonight, um, go as far as to say that to not be committed or part of a local church or local body uh, puts you in a dangerous place in terms of um, your spiritual growth and even your soul, um, as we're going to get into because right. of the nature of, of what pastors do and how they function yeah. for the people and then the church as a whole. Um, so... Why don't we talk about the reality of the local church? And as we do that, there's there's two terms that we have to be familiar with. Um, so do you want to give the first yeah, one? Yeah, but before we do, let me just, just because the way my brain is working tonight, the very fact of what you said, um, let me shove it back in everyone's ears again. You know, it puts you in a dangerous place if you're not wanting to join a local church. Um and there are some people who are hearing this and they're already working their arguments in their mind, which right away, it, I, all I can say is just stop for a second and listen to what we're going to give and what we're going to talk about and really think about why is it, what is your biblical basis for not joining a church? And that's all we're going to ask for, right? Because mm -hmm. we really are, it, it is a pastoral uh, podcast, so we are concerned. And I can only deal with the people who are right in front of me as a pastor, you can too. Um, but we have other people listening all over the place. And in some degree, we are accountable to them because we're teaching them. And so we're just asking you just to give us a chance to to talk. So. Yeah. So now give that intro again, because I've already forgotten what you said. <laughs> it's a golden transition. Yeah. I, now, so, <laughs> it's stumbling over his words. I know. Here. All right. So, Stumble um, right back into it. Yeah, yeah. So um, 
we want to talk about the local church because this is that to which a person would belong if they're a member of the church. But with that, it's important to lay down a a simple understanding of how the idea of church works itself out. And so there's two terms or two concepts that we have to make clear when talking about the church. Okay, I see. So the two terms are universal and local. Um, Or for universal, Catholic, big C. Yeah, Yeah. no, little c. Big C belongs to the Roman Catholic Church. You know what? Wait a second. I thought it was the other way around. No, little c. You sure? I... I think it's little Isn't in Westminster. Just, it is. All right. We'll go with it. Little C. Little C. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so uh, now you got me second guessing. Um, but no, I'm 90% certain. We'll get comments and they'll get take, they'll take yeah. care of this. Well, yeah. it's going to show that we're ignorant of also our ecclesiology. Yeah, that's yeah. Fine. But that's okay. Um, <laughs> we're, 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 we're reforming. So, yeah. That <laughs> was 1689 right in there, I think. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Anyhow, maybe we'll be more accepted in certain pubs. In the universe, <laughs> I'll get over it. Uh, the universal church or the Catholic Church, little C, it's made up of all that is is it's made up of everyone across time who are truly saved, um, and you know throughout the life of the church. Um, so, I mean. Athanasius, since I'm reading about him right now, uh, he's been dead for a long time. He's with the Lord, but he's part of the church. Um, so in 17 different times in New Testament, it it's refers to the church, but it's referring to the universal church, only 17. Um, and so an example would be like Matthew 16, 18. Um, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. So there, it's not talking about a specific local church uh, entity, but the church as a whole. Um, but the more common one is local. Do you want to talk about that? Sure, yeah. Local, we define it as it's a particular group of people profess, or professing Christians who assemble together as a body for the purpose of worship, encouragement, and instruction. And with that, it has a leadership structure intact. Um, there are over, in contrast to the universal church, which has uh, 17 occurrences in the New Testament, the local church has 90 references in the New Testament. Um, and so just an example, 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. And so he's very clearly mm-hmm. dressing um, a local yeah, church. in Corinth, not yeah. the Specific. Galatian one. Or not, Philippi. Or, or Philippi yeah. or any other place. He's talking about this church here in Corinth. So very, very important distinction there. And like if, if people have been listening to us for any length of time, they're starting to realize that we try to show those, those shades because um, what so much error comes when we land one way or the other and make an absolute. Um, when we, we're talking about the church, you have to know the context, but the vast, vast majority of the time you're dealing with that local entity. So uh, you also, when you're reading the Bible, you're going to come up with all kinds of terminology that the Bible will use to to refer to the local or the universal church. Um, again, it depends on context. Things like the body of Christ or it's a building or a temple. First Corinthians uses that. The family. Um, if you just consider these ideas in that local sense, though, you should already see that there is a tightness in terms of connection and relationship. Just let 
the reality of what those terms mean help you think about how the Bible just assumes that you're going to be tightly connected to one another as Christians. Uh, the body is fit together and cooperates. Uh, the building is put together as a whole. It's not just a pile of bricks that we claim as a building, but it's literally put together and everything has a purpose. Um, you're a family or you're not. There's not an in-between zone, you know, that, and and we know what a family is. Um, there's no halfway casual family, um, regardless of what the courts today are mm-hmm. trying to tell us. So, yeah. um, what we do also want to say on this is that the Bible, and this is important, the Bible simply assumes that you have joined a church. Yeah. So when that, which always annoys me, they're like, "Well, where, where does the Bible say you have to join a Give church?" Me the Bible it's verse. like, yeah. "Show me a place where it tells you you don't." Right. It's, they're like, well, but I don't have to. I said, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole context into which the thing's being written, meaning the New Testament, is the, the local yeah, church, the yeah. local entity, and it assumes <laughs> real Christians are part of this. But, but again, it gets into that whole idea in America, it's all about me. Sure. And so it doesn't really matter my connection to, what, to a church. It, what matters is, am I getting what I want at that moment? So, yeah. but yeah, it assumes you've joined it. So go ahead. Yeah. And there, I mean, there's a lot of doctrines, really important doctrines, big doctrines um, that aren't overtly stated and in many ways are assumed. So for instance, one of them is the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, a Trinitarian God is simply assumed in the Bible because it talks about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And he doesn't feel the need to systematically explain the nature of the Trinity. He just assumes we're tracking with them. Yeah, yeah. So same thing with something like the local church, which is obviously a much more practical issue. So what are some arguments? Um, well, we, we'd argue that every church um, believes in some way in church membership and requires membership. And so it comes down to the question of, you know, what is required in that particular church. Um, for our church, it's simple. Um, you have to believe and confess the true gospel. And then second, you have to embrace the Bible as true, that it's inerrant, and that it's um, the final authority. And those are non-negotiables. That's not that hard. And yet, I mean, like I said, we almost faced an entire church split. All we asked you to do is believe the gospel and believe the word of God. Yeah. Now, I grew up at a church where you were a church member if you attended three weeks out of the month. If you, if you were there for at least three weeks, they now considered you a member. And it, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with that. I, I don't but, either, but that's but a requirement. That's a form of church membership. I mean, that's a requirement they have. They understand memberships in a real life thing. Yeah, we, we had to get rid of, because we're a Baptist church, I had to get rid of the membership by letter because the Southern Baptist church or convention is so broad that you got anybody and everyone wandering around. And they show up with a letter saying, I'm a member, will you accept me? And I'm like, can you tell me the gospel? <laughs> I want to know sure. you know the gospel first. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that was another way that people would join a church and requirement is mm-hmm. they were member in good standing somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyhow. Yeah, I mean, others others might ramp it up a little bit. You have to fully embrace their particular confession of faith. Yeah, um, I think the Wells, uh, Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran would require that. Mm-hmm. You have to hold to their... Confession. Full, full, yeah. full thing, yeah. Um, you know, but for at its simplest level, it's that you confess faith in Jesus Christ. Um, you know, no, no church would ever say that an opening, unbelieving individual is part of their church, at least not a 
good church or a healthy church or a biblical church. Well, and that's that's one of the things I tried to do when I was talking to these these various men who were creating so much problems was, look, every church has a membership. And apparently the one you went to, just show up three weeks out of a month and you're in. That's it. But everyone knows if it's a house church, then right. that you show up at the house church. But if I wandered in off the street one day at a house church and just said, hey, I'm going to preach today, they would all say, yeah, no, you're not. Right. And then I would argue, I'm a member of this church if they were anti-membership or something like that. We we can call it whatever we want, but it's still membership. People know that you belong. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we want to we wanna now try to give some biblical evidence for that, right? Yeah. Um, in, yeah. Well, what's behind all that, first of all? Well, we've already said it, is this kind of dislike or visceral reaction to um, the reality of having to submit yourself to leadership. Yep. Always does that. It, it, it's always that. Yeah. I there, mean, every time. And this is normal in life. There's just chafing under structure, under yeah. authority. Um, we don't like that, especially as good Americans who are rugged individuals, but that is far away different from the biblical call and what we're... Now we're not rugged individuals. We're just petulant children, but... Sure. Yeah. Softies. Yeah. But whatever. So <laughs> now <laughs> let's get some proof. Sure. Right? So if they're still listening, even though they don't like it and they're annoyed because I just called them a petulant child, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> they love the Lord enough that they'll say, all right, I'm going to jot these things down. Um, so the first one that we see is just the existence of church discipline uh, from Matthew 18 verses 15 and, and following. Um, and so if you know the church process discipline, the final step in that is that they need to be then put out of the church. And if they don't know it, they can listen to our podcast. Previous podcast, yeah. Um, and so the question then is, but what church? Right. So are we talking universal church? Are we talking... Yeah the church in your state, the church is in your city. I mean, what at some point, you know. Um, well, and you have to tell it to the church. Well, right. Are we to write a letter to every church throughout the world? Right. I mean, again, yeah, You. it's physically impossible. It's assuming that there's a locality. It would be impossible to obey that to command. That church, yeah. Yeah, if this is talking universal. Right. So the idea then is that you belong to a specific local church that you're being put out of. Um, so what? what's another one? Um, first Corinthians five, uh, there Paul orders the church. He's about as subtle as nothing there. He orders the church and it's a local church. It's a church in Corinth. What are you laughing at? <laughs> what did I say? Subtle as uh, a brick. Subtle as a brick. Okay. Look, nothing. I'm running on very little sleep. Leave me alone. Goodness. Creativity. Yeah, that's it. Um, or just, I'm, never mind. Um, all right. Another one is First Corinthians 5. Paul orders a church, uh, and it's a local church, to get rid of those who are in rebellion. Um, and he's talking specifically about a guy who is uh, basically shacking up with his stepmom. And uh, it's, it's gross immorality. And in verse one, one, Paul points out that this man is among them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and that's a big issue here that you're going to see, we're going to draw out is he's among the people of the church in Corinth. Not it, meaning yeah. church, but them. Yeah. And, and 
there. Right. Um, it's not over in, hey, you hear about that guy in Galatia? Right. You know, it's your people and, and you need to deal with them. So, and then in verse two, he says, remove him from your midst. So again, it's literally talking about that local church um, and that he needs to be taken away from that context. And then in verse 12, he says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? And his point is, look, you think it's not Christian or it's not loving to be judging a person who's in sin in your church. He's like, that's actually your job. Yeah. Um, stop worrying about all those people on the outside of the church and start dealing with the people on the inside. I wish some people on Facebook would yeah. um, heed that, but that's another podcast. Oh, yeah. Next. Um, yeah, next one would be uh, Hebrews thirteen seventeen. We see this idea of there being a submission to a specific group of leaders. Um, the writer of the Hebrews there states, obey your leaders. Again, that's the key word, your leaders, and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. Why? For this would be unprofitable for you. So know that there's a specific group of leaders to whom each Christian is to submit. Yeah, some, if a person is going to tell me that they don't believe in church membership, then I'm going to ask them, who are your leaders? Because you are you are commanded to submit to them. Right. And do they know that they're your leaders? Yeah. Yeah. And do they take responsibility for your soul? Well, and that's, mm -hmm. I think, uh, one of the things I appreciated with Piper, uh, John Piper, a few years ago, he wrote, um, I think it was a blog article, but I am not your pastor. You know, yeah. and, and he's like, so stop treating me like your pastor. Um, and it's like, thank you, John, because... A lot of Piperology out there. Piper, Piperolatry. 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 Oh, that's good. What the heck does well, that even mean? Were you basically <laughs> well, pi Piper worship. worship. Oh, Piper... Yeah. yeah. You got now it? Are you tracking? All right. I'm a little slow on the pickup sometimes, guys. It's bear with me. That's okay. We've gotten used to it. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right, yeah. So they and they alone are actually responsible for your soul, mm -hmm. and that that's huge. Yeah. What's also interesting about the text there is um, it says God essentially will bless you or not bless you yeah. based on how you arrange yourself under them or under this specific set of leaders. Okay, let me be brutal. Can you, I know this is unfair because we didn't even talk about this ahead of time. In your mind, just kind of quickly think of the people that you know who treat membership either casually or reject it, that you personally know who profess Christ. Can you think of any of them who are excellent in their Christian walk? Flourishing. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not one. I can't come up with a single one. And in all the years I've known and been in the church and as a pastor, yeah. not once. Just part of God's design. Right. Yeah. That, and so you, you look at a person who's constantly in a state of stumbling and struggling and vacillating and all over the place um, or buying into every bad doctrine. And I'll, I'll tell you, a person who is either functionally or, um, uh, what's that? I'm too tired. What? How would I say it? Where they're a, um, a functional non-member or an actual non-member. I think that's the right way to say it. You know, there are people who are members oh. of the church, but they have checked out and they're yeah, just doing their own thing, right? right? And on paper only, they're members. Right, are, right, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, in other words, God, God, that passage makes it clear that God will make it unprofitable for you. God, yeah. you're, you're literally saying, God, I don't care. Make a heart in my life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Right. 
Um, now, with that though, submission to authority has different aspects to it. Um, oh, yeah, you know, this one annoys me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've heard people say, you know, I only submit to the Bible, or I only obey God, not man. Um, which, of course, sounds super spiritual. Yeah, how but, do you argue with that, right? Right, but according to passages like Hebrews, it's it's foolish. Well, they'll say that, and then they'll not submit to their leaders. Sure. And then that tells you that they're not submitting to God. Yeah. It, it's not hard to figure out. Um, the reality is all authority is established by God, according to Romans 13. I mean, he says it right there. Mm -hmm. It's not, you don't need to know Greek. Just read Romans 13, the first few verses. All authority is established by God. Yeah. So when you when you obey God, you obey him by obeying those who are in proper authority. Right, because he placed them there. Yeah. yeah. So when when I hear a, a young man say, yeah, I just don't know what I should do, and I, I all I have to do is ask him, what does your mom and dad say? Uh, that's what God wants. It's, mm -hmm. This is not hard. Go seek, seek your mom and dad's counsel. That's who you are under. Uh, what does your husband say? You know, what does your... That's the most common thing I say to people. No, well, I mean, what does your husband say? And how how often do they give you a look of <laughs> denseness? Yeah, or it's well, he says this, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, the but will always get us in trouble. I, I my famous story is in a small group once many years ago, a person asked for prayer, and I stopped them and said, "Have what have you asked your husband?" And they're like, w "Well, no." I'm like, well, I'm not going to pray. Mm. Just ask your husband. He's sitting right next to you. <laughs> and you don't need, this is not a thing you need God to somehow supernaturally reveal to you. Just ask your husband. And the husband's just smiling. Yeah. And I'm like, why is this so hard? You know how many prayer requests we could save <laughs> mm -hmm. if we would just submit to the people that we're called to submit to. Yeah. So slaves obey their masters. Christians obey and submit to their Church leaders, not hard. It's it's right in the Bible. Yeah, and and don't say that you only do it for biblical commands because that's nonsense. Um, because you submit to the biblical commands, biblical commands because they're commanded in the Bible, but you submit to these authorities on the non-biblical thing. So our authorities right now in the state of Wisconsin, um, Evers. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Here's where that theology comes <laughs> in. But no, but it, it's it's illegal still to do marijuana, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you you need to submit to that. Yeah. It just if you don't like it, move to Colorado. Um, and then I'll deal with it on a different reason why you right. shouldn't be smoking pot. But uh, <laughs> um, and the same people who are going to write on write us or something and tell us that we're wrong about pot are the same ones watching Game of Thrones. So, yep. you know, whatever. Um, Invalid. Yes. But it, it's, it's not a hard thing. You know, why does it, what time are you supposed to be home when you're a kid? Well, it's whatever time your mom and dad tell you. There's not a Bible verse for that. Right. It's up to mom and dad to set the time and then you get home by that time or you're a disobedient child. It's not hard. And and it's that simple. Mm -hmm. So the question the question I give to many is this: Who are the church leaders to whom you are obeying in submission to? Mm -hmm. 
And then second is, are they aware of it? Yeah. And I actually had a time with that same group of people. I had them all in a room. And I was suspecting that a certain Bible study was acting as its own little church within a church. And so I asked. And sure enough, some of them admitted, yeah, that's my church. I'm like, so what is our church? Well, that's another church. I'm like, that doesn't work that way. And so I said, well, who's your pastor? And they told me that one of the guys in the room was their pastor. And it was crazy because I looked at that man and I said, so are you aware that you're their pastor? He says, no, I'm not their pastor. And I said, you're not. Okay. He's like, no. And I then look back at the man. I said, oh, he just said he's not your pastor. So what are you going to say to that? Well, he's still our pastor. And I'm like, how do you do that? (laughs) How do you work that out in your mind? But apparently some can. Yeah. So a a verse that we get this for is 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. Um, uh, Peter's writing, he says, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So what's implied here is that this requires that you know who your elders are, right? Right. Um, It requires that the elders um, know which flock is theirs, and it assumes a close relationship so that the elders can be examples to follow. Right. Right. You're you're, you're just, uh, he's exhorting the elders among them, the the people who are the church. Um, And then he says, you're supposed to shepherd that flock that's among you. So again, there's, I'm not, you know, I'm not responsible for any other church, neither are you. We got enough troubles and challenges all by ourselves. Um, but also proving to be an example, which means, again, some the, the people who are going to the church need to be capable of knowing you and you being known and... And seeing you and watching you right. beyond just in the pulpit. In fact, this is a passage that those guys then brought the charge against the elders that we were lording it over because we were requiring membership. And my response back to them, do you know what do you know what it was? You weren't there, but from this passage, what do you think I said? I have no idea. I don't want any dead air here, but I said, Oh, we're not lording over you because notice the second half of that. It says not nor as lording it over those allotted <laughs> no. to your flock, but proving to be examples of <laughs> Of the flock. I said, I'm a member. And then I went around the room to all the other elders. Are you a member? Yes, yes, yes. And I said, see, we're proving to be an example. We all joined the church, so should you. It didn't end well. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was kind of clever. Oh, you're yeah. <laughs> clever fellow. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm getting pity chuckles now. <laughs> all right, so other passages that we can consider. What's one? Uh, Acts 3. Um, there's an indication of this. Um, the church started with just a few in the upper room, and the Spirit indwelt them, and this was the beginning. Uh, but then in verse 41, we see that there's this adding of people through baptism, and it was about 3,000 people, it says. Meaning, in some way, they're interviewing them and counting them. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, uh, I don't know, let's just throw yeah, a number. There's some kind of record keeping. Yes. Happening. Yeah. And even in verse 47, it says that there were more being added daily. And so the, mm. it begs the question, right. added to what? Mm. <laughs> added to that local something entity. Yeah. And again, they're keeping records because yeah. they're adding to that. Um, James 5.14 is another one where he says, is any among you, again, there's that among you. Mm-hmm. Um, so is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, of not a church, but the church. And so again, he's emphasizing the local assembly there. And he's like, you've got elders. There's that, there's a lot in there. There's the plurality of elders right there. And yeah. as well, plus that's a weird verse. Yeah. <laughs> and then one more. First uh, Thessalonians five twelve through thirteen. Um, Paul writes, "But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you." There is sense in that. Yep. Yeah. And have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another, um, and many others could be said. Yeah, there's other passages that we're not, we're just picking a few. But again, notice that it says, among you and have charge over you. Uh, so not not just this general, I have charge over the church in some vague way, but over you, you, yeah. the person. Um, so again, we would ask, if you say you're not part of a church, um, then who's your leaders? Yeah. In fact, and I've you've heard me say it from the pulpit, um, when I talk about membership, and when people try to say to me who are not members, well, this is my church, I come back to them very, very forthrightly. I say, we are not your church, um, and I'm not your pastor. And and it hurts them, but I want it to hurt. I want them to understand, look, you're no more part of this church than some guy who wanders over to our house and has shares a meal with us once in a while at our house or maybe um, talks over the fence. We're, you're not my family. Sorry, you're, yeah. you're, you're something else, but you're not my family. But you want if you want to be adopted in my family, totally different thing. But now you're going to come by our house rules, yeah. and, and you get all the privileges, but you also get all of the responsibilities. It's the same thing. Very simple. Um, people need to grab it. So yeah. let's bring it to an end. Sure. Well, um, just some concluding thoughts. And we've already said this one, but every church in some way, and they, they're going to define it different, but every church in some sense requires membership. Um, even the the simplest form of a local church doesn't let just anyone wander in and do whatever they want. Right, right. Walk up to the pulpit, start talking. Um, Gee, I hope they don't, at least. Well, um, mm. but but still, too many treat membership as just some kind of option. Right. And the Bible doesn't really speak that way. It just simply assumes that this is something happening. Um, we've done, I mean, we've been doing church membership interviews well, you a lot longer than me, but, yeah, but even mine been... for years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in our opening question, especially, you know, when we do them together, especially is why do you want to join a church? Why our church? Um, you know, we teach them why membership matters and why it's not. We restrict the the level of involvement for anyone who doesn't want to, to join. Um, you forgot a word, why it's not negotiable. Yeah. It's but, important. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, yeah, and, um, but as you know, I think you mentioned this already, but we've never seen people who actively resist membership actually flourish in their life, um, especially in their spiritual life. 
And it's because they're trying to do it on their own. In fact, we'll say it one more time. If you're listening and you're not part of a local church, all you're doing is harming yourself and putting your soul in jeopardy. Yeah. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we turn away people who don't seem to show a genuine desire to be part of our church. Yeah. In other words, if they can't tell us why they want to join Missio yeah. Day Fellowship in Kenosha, Wisconsin, we... We'll just tell them, look, stay. They're welcome to come yeah. and listen and think more until they're able to really say, yeah, this is where I belong. Um, or they're welcome to not come, but it, yeah. we, we, we don't want you to... just checking a box yep. mm-hmm. and just sitting yeah. there passively in the pew and saying, this is your church. But then you, you do nothing to show forth that this is your body. This is the one t- to whom you're committed um, so, so what do we do when we're what, with the people in our church specifically? What do we do with those who are not members? Um, well, we tell them to just sit and listen. Yeah. In fact, one, one family, I told them, I don't, they wanted to join two weeks into attending. I told them, no, I won't let you join for six months. He came back and begged me at four months. <laughs> and so I let him in. Yeah. Um, but I just said, you know what? We're, we, we can be a, a challenge to people. We want to make certain that you buy into the vision of this church. Yeah. Because one of the common things that we'll get when we ask, why do you want to join a church? And almost the first response is because of the teaching. And so, because we do Bible exposition, there's not a lot of that in the area, but you can get it somewhere. And so the, the question always is, but why this church? And what we're looking for is a buy-in, not, not just to that you want to hear Bible exposition, but are actually our philosophy of, of ministry and yeah. what we're, you know, why we're called Missio Day Fellowship, and that is to be on mission and making disciples, and then let them flesh that out, that they understand that and are convinced of that truly. Right. So what happens if they're not willing still? They're, they're new. They've now been attending six months. We ask them again, have you thought about joining the church? Well, we're just still not sure. What, what would you say? Um, well, we, we were trying to answer their questions. Um, and so the assumption there is that they have an honest question and an honest confusion about something. Um, but then after we answer their question to whatever satisfaction, we're then going to encourage them to join. Because at this point, it should be resolved. Right. You would hope. You would hope. But there are those <laughs> precious yeah. souls yes. uh, that we're not responsible for, though. Um, yeah. But they still aren't willing. So now yeah. what do we do? Um, at this point, we're still going to let them come. Um, but they have essentially, I mean, in essence, no part in the church. And as a result, we're going to invest very little time in them, um, as individuals. Um, and then in terms of resourcing and coming alongside of them. Now, why? They're not part of the church. And, and we're not their elders. Exactly. We're, 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 we're not going to give an account for them before the Lord. And we're not, we don't, they, they're actively saying, we don't want you to shepherd us. So when the crisis hits, we try to show kindness, but but at the same time, we're not going to lay down everything and yeah. abandon the rest of the sheep to go after that night, you know, 99th one, because you're not the 99th one. You're no one. You're just a guy who wanders in and feeds on our grass because we're nice. And that's it. Yeah. And so we say, even in our vision and values class, to not be a member is to hold the church at arm's length. Yep. Right. Um, but now when you're needing the church to come alongside you or you want counsel or you want to be married or whatever it might be, all of a sudden we have to drop everything to the people who are committed and who do need our time and who do need our resourcing and pastoral care to all of a sudden help you. 
Um, that's not fair or right. No. Right. In fact, like if we have we have counseling open to the whole community, but we do maintain a requirement even thereof. If you want mm-hmm. counseling from our church and you're not a member of the church, you must attend every Sunday. And as a result, we don't have a lot of counseling because for some reason they want us to give counsel, but they want have no nothing to do with the church. And it's like you, they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so yeah, they're happy. We're, we're happy to have them come. I'm not going to treat them like a pariah. They're not evil. I'm yeah. going to smile. I'll say hi to them, but that's about it. Um, they can come. They can participate. They can hear the word. My my always my hope is that they would. It, it would soften their heart at some point. They're like, you know what? Why do I keep coming back? I've been coming here now for four years. Get over it, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and can I say a story? Yeah. yeah. Um, we had uh, uh, the both of them are now dead and with the Lord. But we had this one couple that was a challenge early on, and the wife just fell in love with their church, and so she petitioned for membership. And when I asked her, you know, why does your husband? Is your husband wanting to join? No, he's against membership. And I told her, I said, I'm sorry, but we're not going to allow you to become a member. Um, And she's like, why? I said, because you're to be in submission to your husband. And if your husband doesn't believe that our church is the church he wants to join, you should be following him in that. And on the side, we, we frequently will tell men the same thing who are married. If their wife is actively say, I hate this church, I don't want to be part of this church, you know what, you've got a bigger issue to deal with, um, a wife who's not wanting to trust you and follow you. So go deal with that first and then come as a family to join. But I told her that, and she understood it and took it. And that that guy fought us for two years. And then one day, do you know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. He came to me and said, can I meet with you? And I'm like, sure. I get him in the office wondering what it's going to be. And he, he just, he starts to cry. He's like, I want to join the church. And I'm like, this is so neat. And they and his wife was just like a sunshine beam when sure. she was standing there getting <laughs> yeah, yeah. brought before the church, bringing church covenant. But, you know, we'll be patient so with So we people. exercise patience. Yeah. yeah. And we try to care for them. And we're still going to shepherd them through our teaching, through our prayer and other things. But we're not going to do that more intimate discipleship, yeah. hands-on stuff. Membership, go do it. It's not hard. It won't kill you, but it will do do your soul good. Yeah.